Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. semi-clothed lady over there. <laughs> it's like summer's returned here. It's um, oh. it's very, very warm today. Very warm. It looks super toasty. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. It's a nice kind of, it was pouring down with rain this morning, but now it's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah, very oh. good. Very good. Very nice. And how are you on this fine day? It is a fine day. It's so we're recording on Labor Day over here in North America. So that's quite lovely. Oh, yeah. I forgot about no. that. Oh, tis oh, Labor Day. have moved it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm working on Labor Day. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of this confluence of great events uh, here in Toronto. So there's the CNE, which is the uh, huge, massive, like, festival, like, exhibition. There's rides. Mm. There's whatever. And there's also an air show going on. Oh, wow. Uh, it was canceled for weather yesterday. It goes over the weekend. Mm. Uh, but there, I just saw the F-35 fighter jet just fly by my window. And um, so we actually saw the air show two days ago. And this amazing jet doing amazing things and doing stalls mm. up in the air and shooting off flares and zipping around and looking crazy. And I had to check my uh, suppositions because I was like, oh, that guy is like a really great pilot. And I just sort of looked it up uh-huh. and it's a woman. Yeah, It is an amazing uh, fighter pilot uh, from Alabama. And uh, she kicks ass. And so she's kind of ripping up our skies uh, these days. And uh, we're we're all the better for it. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. We've got an um, an international air display here on Thursday. Oh, my gracious. Awesome. Yeah. Ooh. So, Ooh. yeah, we will have the Red Arrows visiting us along with um, lots of other aeroplanes. Oh, lovely. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I'm kind of yeah. a huge fan. There's some that say that they, they, they you know, air shows glorify war. And I, I get that. I get that point. And I, I, there's part of me that says, yeah, that, that is true. At the same time, though, I did have a, we had an air show when I was a kid, uh, the yeah. Abbotsford Air Show, and I just kind of, yeah, it's kind of. Oh, I uh, think it's nice for the kids. It's exciting. It's kind of, yeah. and some of them are like super loud, aren't they? Kind of like you can feel it or, you know, throughout yeah, your whole body. Um, so, yeah, no, it is nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Carry on with the air shows. There you go, right? Yeah, I'm kind of a fan. Uh, so anyway, so if there's any like loud noises on this recording, then it'll be because of... Um, then we know what's going on. Yeah. And we know what's going on. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, things are crazy and spicy, but did you have any time to get to the relationship desk of love? I did get to the relationship <laughs> desk of love. Right on. And I've got good news and bad news for you this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In fact, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. Oh. So... Um, Tis the season. Get ready for this. Okay. So, I found an article, and um, and it's about sex, mm. and um, and it's about kind of um, how it has links to a certain personality trait. Oh, okay. But the article starts off with um, it starts off by saying satisfying sex life is one of the keys to a happy marriage. So I'm like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. get that. However. Data shows that a drop in sex life and relationship satisfaction happens over the course of a marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, that's a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
However, oh. there is one particular thing that books this trend. Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, so it talks about, uh, so at first they, they said that they thought it was extroverts that um, were the ones that were more satisfied in a relationship. However, the results of the research were kind of, the jury was out, they'd seen mixed results, they hadn't seen enough correlation. And then they uncovered what, what they think it is. Mm-hmm. So apparently the trait of um, being charismatic is the thing that says that you've got a higher relationship satisfaction and a higher um, sex life satisfaction. Oh. So if you are either with somebody who's charismatic or you yourself are charismatic, then chances are you're having a better better time all around in your relationship. Oh, this is so weird. I have so many questions because that... Yeah. Really? But it does. It also then goes on to say that you can... So charisma can be learned. So it's not necessarily something that you born with you can develop mm. it and you can um you can develop that over time so give some examples of the things that we should do yeah so it says if you want to be charismatic in the bedroom try the following don't hide your emotions from your partner but instead show your genuine feelings it says listen carefully to your partner and show that you truly care about their happiness And finally, set aside your own needs for a moment and focus instead on meeting the needs of your partner, trusting that they will meet yours in return. Mm. So in doing so, you and your partner can create a vicious cycle of mutual caring and tenderness (laughs) that will keep the flames of passion burning for many years to come. (laughs) So there you go. That is today's the news. vicious cycle of passion. Oh, that's hilarious. I know there was a bit kind of like the vicious cycle. It's kind of like, that sounds like a negative thing, but I guess it's not, is it? If it's, um, if it's producing positive outputs. And I think, it, yeah, it's intentionally tongue in cheek to be like, mm. you know, you can create, a, we, we think about vicious cycles and how easy it is to create that. And what this is tongue in cheek saying is you can create the vicious cycle of wonderfulness. Yes. It's wonderful. Yes. I am super curious though because when I think about a charismatic person I think that Mm. the whole you know they're very sparkly sparkly people they shine bright right so a lot of people are attracted to them so my thinking is that sometimes again because there can be a lot of jealousy if you are with a charismatic person because the whole the whole the whole world notices them so the very things that you're attracted to uh, are attractive to other people and so I wonder if you know, if you're dating somebody who's charismatic or if you're married to somebody who's charismatic, does it drive jealousy? Does it drive infidelity? Does it drive, um, you know, remarry, you know, sort of divorce? But then I suppose if you've got happiness in a relationship and you've got that relationship satisfaction, Mm. then you're going to feel stable enough and secure enough and safe enough that that's not going to rock your boat. Certainly. And so, you know, it's funny, I have a little bias that I'm kind of thinking about now and is I'll, I'll reckon on this offline, but, um, charismatic, I think about like a certain attachment style. Is, is it stable or is it an insecure sort of avoidant attachment style where they might be attracting people with anxious attachment styles? Anyways, mm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in my head because charismatic to <laughs> me actually can sometimes be like a double-edged sword, very mm. shiny, very sparkly, very attractive. Yeah. But that light burns very bright and you can't throw your arms around that light as a partner. So, yes, you're right. So maybe a charismatic person with somebody who's very securely attached. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. All so right. So there you go. <laughs> you need to seek out charismatic people in your life. 
or be charismatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> okay, well, that was nice. All right. Yeah. Should we uh, do a hot topic? Let's go. Today's hot topic. How long should you be in a relationship before meeting parents or friends? Oh, this is a great quintessential question. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And this often comes up where people are doubting the seriousness of their relationship because they might notice that their partner keeps evading the question of like, when am I going to meet your parents? When am I going to meet your friends? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Mm. What comes to mind for you? I think what came to mind to me when I was really thinking about it was, is there a difference between friends and and parents oh yeah oh so like is that kind of family thing like I don't know to me it feels like if I'm meeting your family then that kind of feels a lot more serious than if I'm just meeting your friends down the pub Mm. um you know so I think for me there's kind of two they're kind of like two separate things Mm. and it feels like it's more serious I'm meeting your parents yeah or kind of family members or your or your children Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me started about that. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to be the last, right? Maybe people will yeah, even meet their sure. parents. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I never, I used to have quite long gap before I would ever introduce the kids to mm-hmm. any people, I think. Yeah. That, that I've got, seen. For me, anyway, you've got to feel like you are, like the relationship's got some sort of longevity. And, and we know that relationships end. We know that not everything is meant to be a relationship forever but yeah you want to have some sort of assurance yeah and and sort of follow that through why is that why does that feel important I think because children are and and it does depend on how old they are as well I think when children are younger it can be quite confusing to kind of not know or you know they can get kind of anxious or worried or upset about things as well and you don't want to you don't want to rock the boat there and, and make things kind of seem seem hard, I think, personally. So the the feeling is I wanna I wanna go through the very hard, you know, sort of process of here is somebody who's important to me, and yes, yeah. your my former spouse, parent, my now co-parent, we yeah. were important, but now that's over and now there's a new person. You really kinda only wanna go through that really yeah. rocky period once, right? Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Even though that, unfortunately, it's not just, a... well, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just hard. And then, you know, the children have got to then try and accept somebody new and that never, you know, it's not always plain sailing and mm-hmm. it's just difficult. Yeah. For anybody that's got a blended family, it's difficult. Yeah. And I, and I think so, cause I coach around a lot of folks who do have that consideration and sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if there's a partner who doesn't have kids yeah. Maybe it's a little bit easier if both people have kids and they're like, yeah, we get this. We're going to kind of yeah. be very off the radar until we know that this thing's serious. Yeah. But if there's one partner who doesn't have kids, they're not going to mm. really know how. And they can get very, very upset. Yeah. And so yeah. if you were to the people who are dating somebody with children mm-hmm. and they find that they are not being invited to family events or to, you know, to what would your advice be to that person who is single or so who doesn't have kids and and doesn't understand how how might you help to frame it in the way they might understand 
I think you've got to have some patience and um like you know it's really children are quite impressionable and you, you know they need kind of time and space to get used to things as well and it's a you you know a lot of this comes down to your own kind of sense of security because if you're secure in yourself or you're confident in yourself you're happy with your life you are more likely to give somebody the space that they need to be able to be in a position where they kind of feel like they're ready we've got to respect other people's wishes it's a bit like um I don't on the kind of family front I might say you know I might not have any children and I might say right you know I'd, I'm just not ready yet to introduce you to my parents it's mm. there's a lot of pressure there and you know as soon as I introduce you then that's going to kind of you know layer on the next thing because often you get the, the situation where you've then got the questions okay so you know how long have you been going out what how serious are you what's when are you moving in together mm-hmm. where you know and it then starts the marriage the baby questions you know mm-hmm. the, there's all this expectation that comes with it so you know it's akin to that isn't it it's saying you if you were in that situation you wouldn't want to be rushed or be forced into something that mm-hmm. you're not ready for yet and it's no different when you've got children and you you want that time and that space mm. and we've got to think about like how are we setting relationships up for success do we want to start on our opening gambit is that I'm the one that's kind of always pushing or I don't understand or I'm not willing to take a step back and to lead with empathy and if that's kind of the, the how you start in the relationship it's not gonna not really setting yourself up for success are you mm, totally yeah and and of course there's a lot of societal pressures and lots of like magazine articles and cosmo and stuff that Mm. talk about like when to know you're serious or how to know that the you know i think i was just scrolling around for articles like like does he just want to have sex with you or is he actually interested (laughs) in a relationship and six signs that he's Yeah, yeah you know and one of those signs is often like they won't introduce you to the parents and so there's a lot of negative stigma that says if your partner is not introducing you to the people who are important Mm -hmm. in their lives then you are not serious they don't have any serious intention this isn't going anywhere so it does make sense that this is something that people really really grab onto and want to really force the narrative yeah but it's it's a milestone isn't it it's a point in your relationship where you are kind of signifying yeah i'm serious about this person because i want to take them back or you know i want them to meet kind of friends and i want to show them off i want to kind of you know I want everybody to see kind of how great we are because mm. that's kind of part of it isn't it so yeah. yeah so it's it's you know it's understandable and if that's not happening or not happening in the time skills that you think it should be that that's going to be a bit of a red flag in the relationship to say well actually what do I mean to this person mm. all right so well kids I think is is sort of one thing let's yeah I love I loved your thoughts on that and that's like I think that's pretty sort of sacrosanct. Let's mm. let's talk about friends at the pub, you know, probably within weeks to months, you'll probably have run into them. So let's talk about the parents. Like, mm. how long would be too long where parts of your relationship have moved forward, but others are startlingly like you still haven't met the parents and there's no plan mm. to do so and there's a lot of evasive maneuvers. When would you start to kind of question? I don't I think it depends on the relationship that people have with their parents because Mm. that as well adds like another layer of complexity to it because if you haven't got a particularly good relationship with your parents and you're kind of thinking do you know what I don't want to introduce anybody to them it's not about you it's not about 
It's mm. just actually, I don't even want to go there. Mm. Um, you know, maybe there is too much pressure. Maybe, or maybe they're they're never kind of supportive, or you know, they can you can you can get it where you bring somebody back and then you know they bring out all the horror stories or deliberately try and kind of sabotage the relationship without even kind of knowing that they're doing it. But you know, so I, I think it depends a lot on the you know what what is my relationship like. You can. Mm. Is this really going to be a problem for me to introduce somebody? Okay, true that. So, I yeah. th- so it's trying to kind of understand some of that in a bit more detail. But what a great opportunity to be able to understand your partner at a deeper level by understanding kind of what this barrier might be and why you know why is it there and and then try and kind of support them to work through that or maybe give them some reassurances that actually do you know what I can handle it I'm okay I'm not kind of worried about being in that situation like let's Mm. join as a team let's go and face it kind of head on together Mm. okay cool so you're asking curious questions rather than going with the interpretation that we're not serious and that's why I'm not meeting the parents so you're getting curious and being like hey I so I noticed that you know cool okay where would be a situation where there there are red flags, where you're noticing that there are mm. evasive maneuvers, you're not meeting the parents. Maybe there's been some like, oh, I don't have a great relationship, but the, mm. there's vagueness. What would be some of those red flags that, that might tell you that actually something is going on and it's not in your best interest? Mm. What, what would tip you off I there? think when you get kind of like the change in story. Ah, okay. So when things kind of, when circumstances seem to kind of change all the time or you're noticing some real irregularities in kind of some of the information that's coming back, like it's just not kind of, you know, maybe one day they say this and then the next day they're saying something something else. So you can kind of really gauge actually this is avoidance as opposed to anything else mm-hmm. that's happening and, and you know the the story itself is changing on a regular basis mm. um so I think that is a bit of a red flag I think if somebody's not open to talking and having the conversation about what's going on and they can't share um you know why things are the way that they are I think that's a that's a bit of a warning sign as well because mm. that'll that'll bleed into other parts of your relationship that's not just going to come up in this instance it's going to come up across the board mm. okay so it gets to it's just suddenly gone really dark here <laughs> oh there must be a big black cloud that's come over oh. somewhere I feel like I'm sat in the dark now <laughs> oh that's really funny <laughs> that's Sorry. really funny <laughs> uh the dark cloud of like, so funny, because I was just going to say, we talked about it, but trust, right? So really, yeah. one of these things will, and of course, we're always battling like trust. It is upon us to trust somebody, somebody mm. else can't make us trust them. Yeah. So we have to be able to decide that we have enough information mm. and enough evidence to be able to trust somebody. And if you have an anxious attachment style, that can be really yeah. hard, because yeah, you're yeah. sort of reading into everything and mm. sort of suspiciousness and so forth. But this really does get to its trust building. If there seems to be like this subjective delay in terms Mm. of being introduced to the important people in somebody's life, one interpretation could be they're not trustworthy, something fishy is going on, Mm. you know, whatever. Or you can start to lean into like, number one, get curious, communicate, see if they're open to communication. And that's a really big thing. Um it's getting dark on your side and there's sirens over here so like i don't know there's just <laughs> something going down something is going down this is a hot topic indeed it is a hot topic yeah <laughs> so as you're 
battling the different interpretations that your attachment style might throw up versus mm-hmm. interpretations that might come out if you're sort of really looking analytically at a situation, mm-hmm. you have various choices as to how you choose to interpret a, a, a supposed delay in terms of meeting people yeah. who are important to your partner. Um, and so what is curious to me is your gut instinct. How does, mm-hmm. how should you listen to your gut as to whether this is sort of on a healthy footing Mm. versus that there is some delay tactic, there's some shady behavior. How would you let your gut speak as you're assessing I guess it depends on how good your intuition is, though, because intuition is like a muscle. You have to to build up, you have to develop it, you have to hone that skill. And if you're, if you haven't got very good intuition, then, you you know, you could be sending yourself the wrong signals and the Mm. wrong messages. So those that have got an anxious attachment style can often, their gut reaction is going to tell them to cut and run. Mm-hmm. But that is the, that's the fear talking. That's nothing to do with a kind of, you know, I'm getting a signal that I should trust or believe in. Mm-hmm. That's a pattern of behavior, which says, actually, when, you know, when things get a little tough, then I'm always going to hit, you know, press that kind of, you know, fuck it button and get <laughs> out of there. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful sometimes, I think, with intuition, mm. unless we've spent a long time kind of really honing our intuitive skills. And we do, you know, if we've done a lot of development work, if we've, if we've done a lot of kind of awareness building of who we are and patterns of behavior that we've got and situations and how they trigger us, mm. then we can often have a much stronger kind of intuition and, and gut reaction that mm. we can then more rely upon. Fair. And that's where we talk about like the holographic decision making. So yeah. you, so your gut is only one of the three yeah. sort of table legs that hold up a decision is the, yeah. your brain yeah. is also in your heart in is your also heart, yeah. contributing. Yeah. So, um, there's some people who make a lot of decisions from their brain and that's where we mm. actually encourage them to listen to their heart and listen to their gut and let those inputs come in. But yeah. in this situation, it might be, you're right, what you, what you think is your gut instinct is just your insecure attachment style, kind yeah. of like trying to dominate the room where yeah. you may want to say, okay, well, take a back seat for a sec. Let's listen to what my brain is saying, you know, yeah. and then your brain can start to assess the situation. Mm. Is this person communicating readily and openly with me? And are we, yeah. and is what they're saying, does it seem to jive up? And is the story consistent over time? Yeah. Yeah. And if those two things are happening, and then you might be able to say, look, uh, instinct, although you're kind of the, the wolf in sheep's clothing, you're my fuck it button sort of trying to be mm. pressed. And really, maybe that my brain and my heart, my heart might be saying, yeah, this is sort of this is feeling good. There's sort of yeah. nice warm feelings. My heart is is feeling open to yeah. this relationship. Maybe let's give us another three months on the clock and just yeah. sort of see what goes on. Because really, yeah, just like you say, we use benchmarks of meeting mm-hmm. parents, for example, as this tells me that my relationship is moving forward. But what mm-hmm. other signs and signals might you start to look at to tell you mm-hmm. that are other sort of signs that you are growing in your relationship? But I think that's the other question, though, that comes up is why is this so important to me? Mm-hmm. Kind of why is mm-hmm. it that I'm desperate to meet the parents? Mm-hmm. So is it because I'm not feeling safe in the relationship and you know, what else is going on there? Then what, you know, what are the other signs that say I'm not feeling safe or is it a part of my own 
kind of pattern of, of behavior does this happen in all relationships or is it just this mm. relationship so I think there's a bit of digging that you can do yourself around kind of what what this really means for you because mm-hmm. you know I mean it's nice to meet people's friends it's nice to meet kind of family and if it's just because you want to kind of tick a milestone then you know I'd question that um mm-hmm. but at the same time you know you're in a relationship with this person is this person for you you're not in a relationship with, their, with, you know, with their family or their friends. You're in a relationship with them. Yeah, that's true. And funny, you know, some of the coaching I do is around people who are approaching marriage and one of their in-laws is just a total disaster, like a complete <laughs> personality disorder. And so funny that they can't get away fast enough from that yeah. mother-in-law and they're yeah, yeah. trying to avoid and tactics and boundaries. And maybe just year, just a year earlier, they were just itching to meet the parents and so yeah. funny yeah 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 that reminds me of that film have you seen a uh, monster-in-law the film oh no not yet, i love no. a good rom-com ah. um it's absolutely hilarious um so if you haven't seen it it's a good one to watch so you know it's so it's so funny you should sometimes we have to be careful what we wish for sometimes yeah yeah right <laughs> And what's what's curious too is that if a relationship really has healthy boundaries and there nobody's in a rush to do everything or nobody's in a rush to do anything I should mm. say and and you're just sort of taking time and you're focusing in on yourself and the more than you can focus on the two of you because it's yeah. those two of you that is going to be setting the tone for everybody around you in the family. Yeah. So if you're in too yeah. much of a rush to get overly familiar with family then that over-familiarity is going to kick you in the ass months to years later. And so best, you know, funny enough, funny that you should say is that there might be somebody who has had bad experiences with partners in the past Mm. where parents have gotten involved too quickly and then everything is distorted. So it can be a real act of love to say, you know, you're actually really important to me. And I actually want to kind of keep this, the two of us, and really work on us so that when we do meet We're our in a parents strong position yeah you come yeah. from a place of strength totally yeah. yeah I think don't you know we're often really keen like to rush everything in a relationship don't you know just enjoy it enjoy the ride enjoy the moments mm-hmm. yeah. enjoy what you've got and savor that that's so true you don't get those moments back either no because then it's like do we spend a major holiday with your parents or with my yeah. parents and man I just wish we could just sort of say fuck it to everybody and just take a trip down south in a warm place just the two of us but darn it we have just got a meshed in our family way too early and now they kind of expect us to you know you're right you're right and it's so hard not to rush it but we have to listen to the right things yeah Uh, we're not very patient people though are we oh my gosh (laughs) i am i am not not. (laughs) i have zero patience (laughs) i have zero patience i hate anything that you've got to wait for (laughs) you know it's funny i'm getting better over time but yeah. yeah Yeah, I'm a definite yeah. kind of instant gratification person. Oh, love it. <laughs> I will say, though, that when when a partner has really pushed back and said, mm. no, we will do this in a more relaxed time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why are we doing it sooner? You know, this is not very romantic. But then I really thank them afterwards. I'm like, thank yeah. you for putting yeah, yeah, up yeah. that boundary wall, because yeah. I realize after the fact that yeah. they were doing it in my best interest and in their best interest. And I ultimately yeah. win. So, yeah. Um, and that's also a situation where you can actually check your part of our intuition is starting to reduce the bias in what we notice playing out in Mm -hmm. our world. So we can sort of notice, Hey, this is a time where we waited and we were patient and things worked out 
in our favor, to our advantage, not to our disadvantage. Mm. And just remember mm. those things. Remember, like, because we always remember the bad things or yeah. the things that didn't work in our favor. Notice, yeah. notice the things that did work out. Definitely. Patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. All right. Okay, so we do a question? Let's take a question, yes. Let's do a question. No matter what I say or do, it never seems to be right for my partner. Please help. Oh, I strangely have a number of clients who email me saying that like, I am a terrible partner and my partner says I need help. So please fix me. Like, (laughs) no, I'm serious. Like the opening statement is, I'm apparently a very insensitive, horrible person. I never do anything mm. right. My partner wants me to get fixed. So go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this is actually, so this raises a number of red flags for me. What happens when you read something like this? I think this can be quite common in a relationship because I think it does come up where you've got this kind of real just mismatch. You're not meeting each other's needs. You don't understand each other's needs. You, you're not really kind of taking the time to communicate very well. I would, you know, I would guess that there's not a lot of communication going on here. There's a lot of kind of real assumptions. There's some, you know, a lot of storytelling. So I think there'll there'll be some big challenges around that. Mm-hmm. And but I think this comes up a lot more than you think it does. It does because it's that whole thing, isn't it, where kind of one party is kind of tutting and rolling their eyes and and the other person kind of feels that and sees it you can physically see kind of how somebody is in front of you mm-hmm. um and then the more the more that somebody does that often then what happens is the more the other person tries to please that person and then that just kind of annoys the you know the the first person in the relationship even more so then they kind of back off and back away more and probably that kind of you know that resentment or that unhappiness that kind of physical and you know verbal um display that kind of tells me that you're not okay with life Mm -hmm. is gonna escalate and and get even worse oh yeah and you're just stuck in it you really are stuck in a vicious cycle then yeah yeah and that you know those are things where you seem to be kind of annoying your partner and your partner has all the yeah the eye rolling and so Mm. forth um i also see it in uh, you know, no matter what I say or do, I, I just, I'm not enough. I don't do enough. Mm. I, yeah. I don't help out enough around the home. I'm not a strong enough partner. I'm not emotionally there for my partner, despite however much I try, they're never mm. satisfied. It's never enough. Yeah. Um, and there's always two sides of the story. That's, that's mm. always absolutely two sides of the story. For me, the red flag is, um, when somebody comes to me to coach because their partner says they need them to be fixed, it, it it's, I do get concerned that there is some manipulation going on uh, where somebody is being, you know, where goalposts are always moving. Um, fee- okay, let's just say this. When you feel like you're not enough and nothing is ever enough, it's not very motivating. So mm-hmm. when I meet clients who feel like they're not enough, they're never enough, they're not doing enough, they tend to be paralyzed inactive they don't tend to be showing up in their best because there is no positive motivation to do Mm. anything it's really hard to coach around the you know my partner thinks I'm not good enough it's it's very hard to coach there because 
I were trying to pick apart, you know, what of this is actual manipulation from your partner mm. versus you are purposefully or, or sort of unconsciously not showing up um, in the way that you should. Mm. I, this is, this is a really, really, this, especially when we're coaching around, I often coach the one person. It's really, really hard mm. to sort I out. Think it, yeah. it can be manipulation, but I don't think it always is. I think sometimes it is just that, that whole thing where somebody goes, I just need you to go and speak to somebody and you need to go and kind of fix yourself. I think that often comes out of exacerbation for being stuck in a situation for a very long time and no matter what you do or say or try it doesn't seem to kind of have any effect and you've almost kind of run out of options kind of that's what I see people get their heads so caught up in in the problem itself there isn't any clarity or visibility about kind of what's really happening and you know that probably kind of spending a lot of time and energy ruminating on it and and as a result of that it's often very difficult to fix your own problems in that situation mm -hmm. and if you're both if you're both kind of coming at something from two different positions and you can't quite kind of understand each other then you kind of you reach a um, stalemate position don't you and there's nowhere to go from that yeah and a stalemate is when people approach us, they're looking to break the stalemate. Oh, they're looking for you to have a magic wand. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's actually true. That is true. That is true. It's like, I don't care what you do, just fix it. <laughs> just fix this, please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think for me, um, I'll tell you sort of like a situation where I feel like there's no red flags or there's minimal red flags. And then the, when there's major red flags, the, the, the no red flags might be somebody who's like, no matter what I do or say, it doesn't seem to be enough. It's not good enough, whatever. And that's my own perception. I just, I don't, I don't, I feel insecure or so forth. And I want to sort of fix the way I'm showing up in my life and in my partnership. Mm. So that's one thing. And we can coach around that. The concern that I have is when I get, contacted by the person who's apparently not enough and it's been by the instruction of their partner and their partner mm -hmm. is number one not engaged in their own work mm -hmm. and number two is not willing to do couples work so what they say is there's one part of the partnership who says you're broken go get fixed mm -hmm. i'm not going to do any work on myself you're the person who has to do all the work it's 100 yeah. percent your fault i get this a lot a mm -hmm. lot and the concern for me is that can't possibly be true I think what has happened, though, is that the person who's approaching me has certainly not been showing up in an exemplary fashion like a lot of us. And it's obviously really pissed off the other, their partner so much that their partner's just thrown up their hands and like, I'm done, finished. Mm. I guess the concerning thing is, is that as I start to work with somebody, I want to start to see the ground thawing on the other side. I want to start, mm. I want to, I need to see that the partner is seeing the early attempts by the person I'm working with and is willing to start coming to the table. I get that they've lost hope. I get that they're mm. frustrated. They're done. But the problem is all too often I see, I'll work with the one partner for months, if not over a year. And there's this ongoing barrage of, of accusations that are clearly goalposts moving. And I've seen it happen where my person I'm working with is trying to bring change mm. to the table. And yet, there's this, there's these volcanic eruptions that keep happening and it, and it confuses me where I'm like, wait, I don't even know the right answer to the question. You know, it's like me and my client are both taking an exam where we don't know what the right answer is. Mm -hmm. And the other partner is kind of holding the keys 
And I start to realize there's a story afoot where my client's partner is saying, you are not, you don't serve my needs. You don't show up for me emotionally, whatever. And I'm going to continue to create chaos to prove that that story is true. And it doesn't matter how much you, that I work with my client, my client tries to sort of come to the table with change. Uh, it's never enough. And so mm. that, that gets me, and that's where I start to say, look, both sides of the partnership should be doing their own work, coaching, therapy, counseling, whatever. And ideally there is also a couple's contingent. I might not be doing the couple's work because if I'm working with an individual, the bias might not allow me to do the couple's work together, but they should be doing some sort of couple's engagement. Mm. Yeah. I get really feisty about this because I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really feisty. So, so walk me off the ledge. Oh, if you don't mind, walk me off the ledge a little bit. Cause I get, I get all really protective of my clients. Maybe I'm sitting in their own box. Maybe I'm getting in the box with them. I was going to say, there's no right or wrong to any of it is there? It's mm. about choice. So we're always in choice in any moment. Um, and it's about saying with this new information that I've got that I didn't have six months ago, or 12 months ago, what do I want to do with that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because we are always in choice. We can, we can always make a decision about what happens next. Mm. So meaning that if you've been doing work for six months and you notice that either some things have changed or some things have remained the same, and then you can say, what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. What do I want to do with this? Yeah. And you know, it's not for us as a coach to kind of, to judge or to say what should be happening next. It's for, you know, the client themselves. They've got to make those decisions. They've got to say, you know, I might say, actually, I'm I'm happy that I'm doing my own work and, the fact that you're not that, you know, that shows me something, but I'm still comfortable with where we're at in the relationship and I'm going to carry on doing my own work. And, mm. you know, maybe one day that person will come around. Um, but they're all, it's for the client to decide what happens next. They might mm. say, actually, you know, I've done all of this and I'm not really kind of seeing it on the other side. And now my perspective is changing and the way I view life is changing. And this relationship is no longer something that I want in my future mm. but either way it's for the client to make those decisions yeah yeah that's true yeah so yeah no matter what I do or say it's never enough it's not good mm. enough yeah I think the other thing about that is there's some kind of catastrophization going on isn't that when we hear the word never mm. always you know is that really true so if you think about the last 48 hours and um, what were some of the things that went really right in your relationship and what are the things that you're saying aren't aren't enough, mm. um, or that you that you in your mindset you didn't do right, or you didn't say the right thing, or you didn't act in the right way, and really drill down on that. Like, I'd almost kind of do some journaling for kind of five nights in a row about what you thought were some of the positive things in the relationship that mm. day, and really challenge yourself to think about some of them because I think we forget and we it's really really easy to focus on all the negative things or to look for the evidence to prove Mm. that your thinking is right so if I'm constantly looking for evidence that I'm not doing or saying the right thing I'm going to find it for sure Mm -hmm. but where's the counterbalance to that what else am I looking for right I like that and also if you're looking at how you're showing up through the eyes or the comments of your partner Mm. it's an opportunity to actually say leave my partner aside. How am I showing up? Yeah. Am I standing behind the, am I showing up in the way that I want to show up? Am I doing everything that I, when I walk away, I'm proud of. 
So if I don't outsource the sort of measure of success of how mm. I'm showing up to my partner and I look at it myself, yeah. is there more that I would want to be doing so that mm. I increase the level of agency and uh, pride um, yeah. in, in the way that I'm showing up to my relationship? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very, very, very true is that, you know, if we stop sort of reinforcing these biases... And if we stop outsourcing and externalizing decisions about, yeah. you know, and we're looking to other people and their criticism or lack thereof to tell us how we're doing in our relationship, we don't have any power and we're totally at the mercy. Yeah. So what would you like, as you sort of close us out, like, what would you say, uh, please help me, like, imagine this person has come through six months working, working with you, what might they say about themselves and about in the relationship to their partner that might kind of rectify this opening question? How might they be sort of making a statement after a coaching intervention? I think if you're doing the work right, then there'll be some realization about, because it's not, it's never as simple as the question. We know that. Mm. Um, so the way that I'm feeling isn't about the relationship, about my partner. That's just kind of like the the top of the iceberg. There's a lot of other layers that will be happening below this. So, you know, it would be about exploring. Have you always felt this way in a relationship? Mm. Is this something new? And really kind of digging down on some of that. I think it is about, um, it's about getting your own level of confidence mm -hmm. to a position where you're able to speak about some of these things. And to, because I, I, it can almost bet dollar that they're not talking about this. Mm. This is just an issue that's living inside this relationship with them and they're not having a conversation. Mm. Whereas if we are kind of feeling secure enough and ourselves confident enough and um, and we're not living in a kind of, you know, from a fear base, we'll be able to say, you know, when something arises and in that moment, when we kind of have one of those moments where we feel like we've said the wrong thing, we're able to say, I don't really feel like that kind of statement or that question, whatever it is, has really kind of landed in the right way with you. I'm sensing, I'm getting a certain vibe back, like tell me what's going on for you. So we've got that ability to be able to challenge something in the moment, mm -hmm. in a in a kind way, in a constructive way, not in a kind of, um, not in a blame or persecution way. You know, we want to be able to make it so that it's a situation where the other person feels like they can respond back and not under attack. So, mm -hmm. so you know, we want to be able to kind of to have some of those conversations because I could almost guarantee that they're not. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Nice. Okay. All right. Cool. It's never Lots. about the thing. <laughs> it's never about the thing. And whenever there's an always and never, that's always a question or that's always a little bit of a tell sign for us to dig in a little bit more because it's yeah. never always never because we're fixated on something we're fixated on it being a certain way and it's about really trying to get below that to get to kind of more of the truth as opposed to the story or the narrative yeah that's so true mm. oh all right well it's been an action-packed um podcast recording indeed between um interruptions for deliveries and um <laughs> police sirens and um anything we, else that and was the going whole thing on. well yeah. and it's 
balls ass hot over there. Uh, yeah. I thankfully the jets have been kind of quiet on on my end, and a lot of this obviously we edit out. But yeah, just to say that there's a lot of editing that we've had to do <laughs> to, to, after today. Because the entire environment on both sides of the pond are just trying to um, come in to with sabotage some sabotage our recording. <laughs> or maybe sort of underline the importance of what we're talking about. You know, remember the dark cloud yeah. that came over? Um, it's just, you know, with serious stuff. And the it environment is, is green. Stuff. Yeah. yeah Sirens sure. and clouds. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, All right. we made it through. Um, we made it through. So, yeah. Till next yeah. time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.